Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for being here to play for us this morning. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 4, and if you're visiting with us, my name's Josh, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're making our way through the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament, and this morning we find ourselves in Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 21 through 34. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21, and he, Jesus, said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and, knows not, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, what... With what can we compare the kingdom of God, and what parables shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can take nests, can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke to the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The Bible says of itself that the grass withers and the flower fades, that the word of our God stands forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow before you, thankful for bringing us through another week, thankful for the privilege to gather together to worship and to sing your praises and to lift up our prayers and to give. Uh, Lord, and now we come to this time where we study your word and we pray that you would add your special blessing upon the reading and preaching of your word. Would you use your word to accomplish its purpose? Would you grow the kingdom of God among us and in us, strengthen us and be at work in us? We, we plead and we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. What's it like? Whether you're seven years old and your best friend just got back from Disney, or you're 47 years old, and your best friend just got back from that bucket list golf trip, or two weeks in southern France. If you've never been to those places, we all ask the same question in some form or another. What was it like? Tell me about your trip. Was it amazing? Was it everything that you hoped it would be? And then they go on to explain about Soren and the Tower of Terror, or they talk about the amazing par 3 that was right on the water with the island green. Or they tell you about uh, the French countryside and wine tastings each night and the most incredible food that you've ever tasted. One of the challenges of Christianity throughout the ages is how do you explain and describe and express something that's so huge and so incredible and so counterintuitive 
Believers want to know about the kingdom of God, and unbelievers are curious and intrigued about the kingdom of God. What's it like? Last week we saw Jesus display and explain God's mission through His life and preaching. We saw Him uh, give us a sense of what the kingdom of God is like through the parable of the sower. And now, in the second half of Mark chapter 4, he keeps teaching about parables. He keeps teaching, he keeps teaching about the kingdom through parables to eager disciples and confused crowd members. That question remains the same. What is the kingdom of God like? And this is really important for us. It's a really important question for us because we live in a wicked and perverse generation. And there are all sorts of distractions and temptations and the gravitational pull in this life is away from the kingdom of God. It's away from the gospel. It's away from Christ. And that means we need to remind ourselves and remind each other and remember and double down and dream about what God's kingdom and His power and His glory are all about. We need to be rooted in the gospel as we communicate with one another. And as we do that, we will be more comfortable and conversant in sharing the gospel with others. We take the message that we have about the kingdom of God. It's not only precious to us, but we take it out into this world. And some may say, well, Christianity is outdated and antiquated. Why do you bother with all that? Brothers and sisters, the reality is that the time is now. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And our calling is to repent and believe in the gospel message. And so, I want us to think about this passage in two ways. First of all, what's it like the kingdom of God is revealing in verses 21 through 25? What's it like the kingdom of God is growing And we see two parables that highlight what that growth looks like. So first of all, the kingdom of God, what's it like? It's revealing in verses 21 through 25. And one of the compelling things about so many documentaries or podcasts or news reports is when they reveal, when they bring to light something that was hidden, something that was covered up, when they shine the spotlight on something that that we didn't know about, that people didn't know about. And so... Jesus tells us about the kingdom of God, and he says it's like a light. It's like a lamp. And this image is timeless, right? Whether 2,000 years ago we're talking about a candle or an oil lamp that someone would bring into their house, or whether today we're talking about a thousand lumen mag light, it doesn't make sense to put it under a basket or put it under your bed or to put a light in your pocket or to cover it with a blanket. It doesn't make sense. Light is meant to shine. And that's what we see here. It's meant to shine and reveal and to show and illuminate. And one of the results of the kingdom of God is that what's hidden will be made manifest. What's secret will be revealed. We see that unfold in several ways in this passage. First of all, in verse 21, we see that that Jesus Christ is revealed. A very interesting passage, a very interesting part of this passage is taken from the Greek grammar in verse 21. It literally is translated, does the light come for the purpose of being placed under a basket? 
Now, obviously, lamps are inanimate objects. They are brought, they are passive, but the construction here suggests that the lamp is active. What does that mean? Who might that lamp be? It's Jesus. Jesus is talking about Himself. He is the light that is coming into the world. Commentator William Lane explains it this way, Mark's term at this point is wholly intelligible if Jesus is speaking about Himself as the lamp that has been kindled and that has come in keeping with the mission pronouncements of Jesus and the stress of the purpose of His coming. So we see very likely from this passage and very clearly from the rest of the New Testament that Jesus is the, is the light of the kingdom. What's the kingdom of God like? It reveals light through Jesus. He has come into the world. It also reveals the truth. We see it in verses 22 and following. And if we're honest, from the outside, it may appear that God's kingdom is failing. God's kingdom is faltering. God's people are phonies. It may appear that the kingdom of this world or the kingdoms of this world are winning and prevailing and flourishing while the kingdom of God is on its last leg. But there's a secret and a concealed peace to the kingdom of God. And Jesus talks about this throughout His ministry, right? What does He say? The first will be last. If you want to be strong, you need to be weak. If you want to save your life, you must lose your life. Greatness comes through service. And the kingdom of God reveals that, that at the same time, at some point, everything that is secret will be made relevant, will be revealed. And so in the light of God's glorious holiness, there will be nowhere to hide. There will be, nowhere, there will be no more secrets. There will be no more facade. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. The light has come, He's the light of the world, and Jesus is revealing the truth. And it's not, He's not just revealing the truth in a general sense, Jesus is after our hearts. Verses 23-25, through 25, since the light has come, since there's nowhere to hide from the searching radiance of the holiness and glory of God except in Jesus, therefore, what does Jesus say? Be careful. Pay attention not only to what you hear, but to how you hear it. And he uses this image. The measure that you use will be the standard that it's used to measure out to you. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like the light shining in the darkness. Everything hidden will be revealed. Therefore, be careful how you hear. Therefore, trust in Christ with all your heart. Therefore, Commit to grow deeper and stronger and fuller in your faith. Follow Jesus. Set aside the old way. Put on the new. There is sacrifice, taking up the cross in following Jesus. But here's the thing. What we give up cannot be compared to what we get. In Christ we have a new life and a new family and a new name and a new hope and a new lease on life. New power, new peace, new eternal destiny. And Jesus describes this in Luke 6.38, talking about giving. He says it this way, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it'll be in your lap, 
for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What's it like? The kingdom of God is revealing. And it reveals not only Jesus and the truth in general, but it reveals our hearts. And so one of the questions we have to ask ourselves this morning is where and how is your heart? Is it believing? Is it trusting? Is it submissive to the lordship of Jesus Christ? Or is your heart hard and arrogant and angry and proud? The good news of the gospel is that we can bring the hardness of our hearts and the stubbornness of our hearts and the willfulness of our hearts to Jesus to ask Him for help. We can repent and we can ask others to pray for us and help ask others to help hold us accountable. And in keeping with this revealing and concealing theme and the nature of the parables, Jesus makes it clear that those who do not believe His gospel, those who do not recognize and acknowledge Him as the Messiah, as the key to the kingdom, like many of the scribes and the Pharisees, what they have, what little that they have, will be taken away from them, which in itself is a revealing and unmasking. So what's it like? What's the kingdom of God like? It's revealing. What else does Jesus teach us? In the two parables that, that follow, He teaches us that the kingdom of God is growing. And there are two types of growth that, that we see here. First of all, it's automatic growth. And from the Oxford English Dictionary, it defines the word automatic in this way. Automatic in reference to action. Self-generated. Spontaneous. Self-acting. Having a power of motion within itself. So you think about maybe your car transmission. There are... There are manual transmissions where you have to push, the, push in the clutch and change the gears, right? Then there are automatic transmissions where all you have to do is, as we say here in the South, mash the gas. You just mash the gas and the car goes. Uh, sometimes we talk about ball players who are in the zone. It feels like they can't miss. What do we say? She was automatic from the free throw line. The point of this parable is that God's kingdom grows in and through its own power. In fact, the Greek word used in verse 28 is translated, the earth produces by itself is automata. It doesn't mean it's automatic like, hey, you just plug in these numbers, it's a formula, if you do it this way, you'll get these results. No, it means that God's kingdom is growing on its own by God's power. And Jesus plays off the parable of the sower. He says, it's as if a man goes out to scatter seed on the ground. And this would have immediately, their ears would have perked up. Oh, it sounds like the parable of the sower. And then Jesus goes on to describe what happens. After the seed is sown, the farmer goes to sleep and he wakes up and he goes about his business. While he does, while he does that, what happens? The seed sprouts. And it grows, and he doesn't know how. Whether the farmer is a, has a Ph.D. in horticulture or whether he has no formal education, what happens? The seed grows. Even if we were able to break down all of the scientific and biological processes involved in the growth from a seed to a plant to a tree, it's still just incredible. It's incredible. And... We, we saw, I saw this illustrated 
when a friend recently gave us an amaryllis flower bulb. And uh, it was like this red wax ball thing. And I asked my wife, what do we do with it? (laughs) And she said, well, we just put it here, kind of maybe in the kitchen. Well, do we water it? Do we fertilize it? Do we do anything? Nope. Just leave it. And I'm not going to lie to you. I thought we had a dud. (laughs) Uh, I was like, we should probably throw this thing away because nothing's happening. And then it started to grow. And now there is a beautiful amaryllis flower in the middle of our kitchen table. We didn't do anything. We didn't make it happen. That's the point. God's kingdom grows in and through its own power. And it's important to see the contrast on the previous verse where we're called to hear and listen and respond to the message of the gospel in faith and trust. And at the same time, we must remember that God is the one who is growing His kingdom. He brings a fruit. He transforms us. He draws people to Himself. He builds up His church. And think for a moment with me about all the amazing ways that God does this. How He uses His Word and how the Holy Spirit works alongside the planned and the unplanned, the scripted and unscripted things in our lives that we would have never dreamed or imagined. How the experiences in our lives God uses to grow us and reach other people. See, God is growing His kingdom. What's it like? God is growing His kingdom in us personally. And we don't know... So many times what God is doing in us, and He uses our friendships and our classmates and our teammates and our hardships and our co-workers and our trials and our sufferings and our addictions and our sickness and our conflict and our sin struggles. He uses all those things and so much more to transform us. Think about all the ways that God has worked in your life and has orchestrated things for your good and His glory that you would have never dreamed would be on the bingo card of your life. That you would have never signed up for. No way. Not me. But that God has used in amazing ways. Brothers and sisters, God has bigger and better plans for us than we can imagine. And He will accomplish them in ways that we could never, ever dream. This should bring you great freedom and courage to lean into and live out of your union with Christ. To keep praying even when it doesn't feel like God is listening. To keep turning the pages of your Bible in daily devotions even when you don't have an epiphany about the Gospel during every quiet time. It should encourage you to keep teaching your kids the catechism even when you think they're not listening. And keep coming to church week in and week out even when you don't feel like it. And to keep watering and plowing and cultivating and fertilizing your spiritual life through sunshine and storm, knowing that God is the one who gives the increase. God is working, brothers and sisters. It's His plan, and He is weaving our growth and our sanctification into a beautiful, perfect tapestry that one day we will see and we will give Him the glory at how He worked it all together. God is not only growing His kingdom in us personally. He's growing His kingdom through us missionally. 
We don't always see what God is doing around us or through us. At times we wonder if our labors are in vain or if our service is making any difference. God is building His kingdom. He is making it grow. And the kingdom of God does not depend on how well you're doing. The kingdom of God does not stand or fall based on whether you've got everything lined up or squared away in your life. And that should give you greater freedom to go and to share and to serve and to sow and to plant and to cultivate and harvest and pray and open your homes and open your life and invite people to church because it's God's work. He's called us to be witnesses. He's called us to be ambassadors, but He's the one who brings the increase. He's the one who brings the growth. So God's kingdom What's it like? It's growing. And that growth is automatic. It's from God, not from us. It's also, verses 30 through 32, exponential. Jesus uses another parable to explain the growth of the kingdom. What is it like? And this parable teaches us about the growth and size and scale of God's kingdom. And there are all sorts of examples and illustrations of of a business or an organization that started with really humble beginnings that has grown exponentially. Apple, 1976, Steve Jobs and Wozniak working out of their garage. And now the market capitalization estimate for Apple is $2.77 trillion. That's larger than the GDP of Italy or Brazil. Kadabra. You guys know what Kadabra is? It started as an online bookseller. It, it had losses for the first 10 years of their business. Now Amazon is valued at $1.8 trillion. The kingdom of God grows. The kingdom of God grows exponentially, brothers and sisters. And how does Jesus illustrate that? He uses an image and a parable about the mustard seed, which for Jewish people in the first century was proverbially the smallest seed. And I want to pause for a moment here. And it says here that this is the smallest seed in all the earth. Uh, this, the fact that there are smaller seeds than mustard seeds does not negate or disprove the authority or authenticity of the Bible. Jesus is speaking into the cultural moment for Jewish people. This proverbially was the smallest seed. We do the same thing. We say things like, it was as small as a mouse. Well, there are things that are smaller than mice, but it's an image that helps speak into where we are, and that's what Jesus does here. The point is that the kingdom of God starts small like a mustard seed, then it grows into something big like a tree, so large that birds can come and make nests in its limbs. Mustard seeds are about one millimeter large. And I know we're not on the metric system, but that's small. And those mustard seeds can grow into trees that are maybe 30 feet tall and wide. So let's do the math. 30 feet is about 10 meters. That's 10,000 times growth, or 1 times 10 to the 4th power. 
That's a lot of growth. And ironically, the birds that used to gobble up all the little mustard seeds and eat them up, they become, they go and build their nests in this tree. This is the kind of growth that we see. Make no mistake, God's kingdom is growing. It's growing exponentially from humble beginnings. We don't always see the growth. We don't know how it happens. But God's kingdom is growing exponentially. And we get a glimpse of this from Revelation chapter 7. You'll know these words. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, saying and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, think about the beauty of people who are once apathetic and suspicious and antagonistic and hateful to the kingdom of God, like the birds that ate up those little seeds, now welcomed in to find life and shade, and to build nests in his branches. Sinclair Ferguson has a a beautiful quote about this. The kingdom of God is like that mustard seed. Saul of Tarsus and many others who were once birds of the air, who tried to swallow and destroy the kingdom of God and its influence in the world, but one day they came to find shelter in its branches. Think about what hope this must have given Christians in Rome who first read Mark's Gospel in the face of what? Suffering and persecution. The kingdom of God will not be destroyed. In fact, one day the Roman Empire which sought to destroy it would seek shelter under its branches. Take heart. Take courage. Christ is building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is making peace with His enemies. He's calling spiritually dead people to life. Let that shape the way that you see the world. But you may say, but pastor, the stats, just look at the stats, okay? The largest group of religious people in the U.S. now are people who say they are non-religious. I mean, You say the kingdom of God is growing, but just look at the the numbers. Well, the U.S. is not the whole world. God's kingdom is still growing here in ways that we do not know, and God's kingdom is exploding in Africa and in China and the global south. God is working in different places in different ways, and it's incredible. He is building His church. And let this shape the way we see this world. Again, we do live in a wicked and perverse generation. There are all sorts of things that are scary and troubling about our culture, and God is seated on His throne in heaven. Stay the course. Trust in God. Live by faith. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. There will be opposition. There will be persecution and alienation. And there is absolutely no one or no thing that can stop the growth of the kingdom of God. There's nothing that can thwart God's plan. What's it like? The kingdom of God is revealing. The kingdom of God is growing. That growth is automatic and exponential. But I want to close by looking at the last few verses in this section. Verses 33 and 34. Mom and Dad, you've probably done this before. Maybe you remember asking this question, ladies, uh, when, 
one of your college roommates came back from a date. And what do you say? Not what's it like, but what's he like? Tell me about him. What's he like? What's Jesus like? The last few verses here give us a glimpse not only of what the kingdom of God is like, but about who Jesus is and what he's like. He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it, and he he explained it to them. What's he like? Well, Jesus is with us, and he's teaching, and he's training us, and he knows what we need, and he knows what we can handle, and he's explaining things day by day. And Jesus is compassionately leading and guiding and teaching us and loving us all along the way. And even when we don't understand what he's doing in our lives, God, why this? Why now? We know that he is working behind the scenes. We remember his kingdom and his mission and his message. We remember that his kingdom is counterintuitive. It's an upside down kingdom. We remember that everything that's hidden will be revealed one day. And he's working behind the scenes. Even in the small things, he's growing his kingdom exponentially. How do we know? How do we really know the pledge, the promise, the expression of this is the cross? It's the cross. Which on the outside, what does the cross say? Weakness, death, defeat, disaster, surrender. Jesus clearly loses. At the cross, what did people say? He saved others. Let him save himself. Oh, look, it's the king of the Jews. Remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus? They went from the depths of despair and hopelessness and saying, we hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And their, their fears and their doubts and their questions were, were changed to shouts of joy. The Lord is indeed risen. He is alive. What's he like? Loving and compassionate, He's a powerful Savior who lived and died and rose again for us. If God went to those lengths, if He did that for us, brothers and sisters, we can trust Him with whatever we face in life and in death. Let's pray. God, again, we thank You for Your Word and we, we just ask that you would continue to work it into our hearts. It's the word of life. And so we pray that we would be changed by it, especially by Jesus, the light of the world, the word made flesh. Transform change in Jesus' name. Amen.